Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, let's just start off today with my thoughts, which I shared yesterday on Tommy Tuberville. The um, senator who apparently needed to be told the definition of white nationalism so that he could walk back his white nationalist thoughts about white nationalists being able to join the military and referring to them as Americans. Tommy Tuberville is 68 fucking years old. So I would really love it if mainstream media would stop giving these motherfuckers the benefit of the doubt as if Tommy Tuberville is in elementary school and is just learning these topics for the first fucking time. He is not. And it is the same way that I had to listen during the entirety of Trump's disastrous administration from people like Susan Collins and others that say that Donald Trump will, quote, grow into the position. Are we fucking dumb? Like, it is this idea of perpetual adolescence that white men are given in this country. Oh, you're 60-something, you're 70-something, you're 80-something. Oh, they don't know. They'll learn. Give me a fucking break. It is intellectually dishonest at best and gaslighting at fucking worst. By chasing people down like Tommy Tuberville and asking them to define statements that were very fucking clear. Run with what it is that they said instead of trying to get them to backtrack on what it is that you know that they believe. And then to boot, Tommy Tuberville's backtracking on his white nationalist are American statement was, well, I was a football coach. So I dealt with more minorities than a lot of people. You dealt with like slave masters dealt with enslaved Africans? Get the fuck out of here. 
it is just so wild to me the way that journalists just refuse to take these people at their word and print the fucking truth. Tommy Tuberville is a racist and he's a fucking terrorist right now in the Senate as he holds up confirmations for the military because he doesn't want women in the military to be able to have access to abortions. I am so tired of them talking about activism when this is the kind of terrorism that they are doing. What does it say, folks, about our government when you can have one fucking senator hold up an entire fucking agency? It means it's broken. And those are the conversations that we should be having on a regular basis. And instead of, oh, Tommy Tuberville backtracks on his fucking white nationalist beliefs, it should be Tommy Tuberville believes that white nationalists are Americans that should have the ability to join the military. It is bullshit. The Republican Party is the white nationalist party. If you are a Republican, you support white nationalism, plain and simple. You attack LGBTQ people, you attack black people, you attack indigenous people, you attack women, you attack people of color, you attack Muslims. That is the protocol of the Republican Party. And to say or print anything to the contrary is a fucking lie. It is not neutrality. I'm just so tired of mainstream media. I'm so tired of this party. I'm so tired of them making it so easy to run against them. And yes, Democrats are trying to figure out what their fucking messaging is. If you thought, folks, that the 2020 election was the most consequential election of our time, I don't even know what to refer to 2024 as. But it is literally the battle between good and evil, right and wrong, authoritarianism and democracy. This country is not just backsliding. We are hanging on by a fucking thread. And for folks that say, oh, well, Biden's age, I don't give a fuck if Biden is 150. If that man still has breath in his body and that is who the fucking nominee is, then that is who we're voting for. Plain and fucking simple. Because the alternative, whether it's Donald Trump or DeSantis or fucking Haley or Pence or any other of those Republican fucking clowns, the alternative is fascism and white nationalism. That is it. So if you want that, don't vote. Right? Or vote for one of these fucking third party candidates that are also a fucking clown show. Today, I am aggravated. The entire story around Tuberville just has me on one. Coming up next, dear friends, my conversation with our in house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, is back after a very long break from the show. So I'm excited to get into conversation with him. Folks, I am so excited to welcome back after a very long break, uh, our friend, uh, in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, uh, back to Woke AF. Jonathan, it has been um, a long time since we've chatted. I would love to say that things in America have gotten surprisingly better since you've been gone. They haven't. 
Um, but I, I, I want to start off with the fact that, you know, over the holiday, um, the, the, the 4th of July holiday that a lot of people celebrated, you know, I just chose to drink by a pool because um, it's a day off, but I'm not celebrating America. You know, there were countless shootings, right? Some of which elevated to headline news. Others um, did not. Um, and I, I, I and I know that you've been traveling abroad a, a bit. And I wanted to get, you know, just your readout on one. Why is it just that everyone is off? So everyone goes and grabs their guns over holidays? like why the escalation in shooting happens during that time uh, is number one. And then two, while you were traveling abroad, I know speaking a lot about your your upcoming book and just your work around, you know, gun violence, like what is the perspective? What it, what are you being what is being reflected back at you from the from people abroad in terms of how they are seeing America right now? Um, well, hey, everybody. First, it's great to be back. Sitting by a pool sounds really good right now. Maybe we should do a poolside chat one of these days. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Um, I, um, I will say so I was I was going I was in not so far the UK. I was in London and um, through Durham in the north of, of the UK and then through Scotland and Edinburgh. And I will say definitely to be fair, it's a, just a weird moment for the world. Like the whole world isn't working right now. People are still kind of reeling with the rise of fascism and a war of aggression like we haven't seen in really a very, very long time and climate instability everywhere. And so the whole the whole world is reeling. You know, I go to the Middle East a lot and they're upended. So, um, but I will say that there's something so particular about guns in America that you, even if the whole world's on fire, they're still going to like stop for a minute and say, and what the hell is wrong with, what the hell's wrong with America? And, 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 and definitely I got that the most around, um, around uh, the shootings on the 4th of July. Um, I've actually been doing a fair bit of British media. I did a piece in the guardian and I, I have a piece coming out in the independent about this because I just got contacted because everybody was like, Hey, look, this is your national holiday. What the hell is going on here? And so it was on one hand, pretty remarkable. It was happening around what was a long 4th of July weekend. Remember we had, yeah, everybody, yep. everybody kind of took off like six weeks before and after for, for 4th of <laughs> July. Um, but, but I will say that it was, it was, it was hot. Um, it was, um, you know, muggy, and it was uh, the opening line for my independent piece is Americans celebrated the 4th of July ho holiday in the most American way possible by ducking for cover because damn we, Jonathan. Um, wow. Okay. Be, because that's kind of become our national autobiography that in a way that that's kind of what we saw. So there were, um, I think 18 mass shootings on record on the 4th of July weekend, 22 people died at least, but I think that's an undercount. A hundred people injured, but I think that's an undercount. And that's just the high profile mass shootings. That's not all the other shootings that we probably had on that weekend too, about, you know, suicide and partner violence and all the other stuff and stuff. So what I said is in a way, 
the Fourth of July shooting is a is a reflection of America right now. That this is our national autobiography. This is the world we live in, and there are, I think, are particular reasons. Right in the summer, people are out. They're socializing together. They are getting conflict. It's muggy. They're irritable. Um, people are also. Um, I mean, they just have more time to shoot each other around holiday weekends. Um, and, and also, I think particularly around 4th of July, there's symbolism about, you know, there are fireworks and things exploding and grudges. And remember last year we had a shooting at a at a parade in Illinois. Yep. And so there are particular things about 4th of July. But I would also say that the numbers on 4th of July weren't that different from the numbers for the June <laughs> or for, you know, the month before that. And so in a way, just, it just becomes kind of what we've got. And, and part of the story is about a reflection of American trauma. And another story is about our complete inability, our complete inability to work together to address something that is a threat to all of us. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, when you say it is our national autobiography, duck and cover, and I think about, you know, one, I did not realize that it was 18 mass shootings. Um, and you're saying that that's an undercount. You bring up the shooting that happened last year where we saw baby strollers and sandals and everything abandoned after the shooting that happened during the 4th of July parade. And what was funny is that I had gone uh, with friends um, and their kids. They wanted to take their their kids down to, um, you know, a little like kid parade that was happening in their town. And I was terrified. You know, I, I was terrified to go. And I and I just I, I want to lift up what you just said, like with regard to the collective trauma, right? Like parades, outdoor concerts, movie, you know, outdoor movies like these are things that people look forward to and socialize around during the summer. And these are the places that are most terrorized during the summer. And so uh, can you just speak to like this collective trauma and the fact that we continue to move through it? Right. And also like how other people like you said that you're doing a lot of writing, you know, with with, uh, you know, with regard to British press, how they are looking at us. Like, does the rest of the world just like because I have not traveled abroad probably in a year. Um, and one of the things I like to do is just, you know, I like to talk to the drivers. I like to talk to the people that are, you know, working um, and and get a sense of like what their views are on, you know, on America as well as, you know, on the country that I happen to be in, um, because I think that it's very raw. But like talk to us about this collective trauma and how we kind of just pick up and move through it. Well, we habituate it. That, that's kind of the term. I mean, if you think about the first mass shootings that we heard about when we kind of entered the mass shooting era, Columbine or Sandy Hook, Parkland, those were real moments of national reckoning. Um, and now it's just they happen so often. <coughs> and it's not just that they happen so often. It's that we've lost faith in our political system. Um, and so it used to be we would a mass shooting would happen. I remember around Sandy Hook, I was on Fox News all the time and they were like, oh my God, what can we do to fix this? Um, and um, people were marching down the street. Remember, there were all those huge marches in, in Midtown here in New York. And so I think part of the story here is just a, 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 a threat to our existence that is met with a complete lack of trust in our political system to to fix it or address it or even meaningfully engage it. And I think that's really part of the story here is, is um, you know, I, it, part of, partially in the piece, if it ever gets published, you never know what kind of edits they're going to make. But I say the framework of 4th of July is like a celebration of, you know, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And what kind of liberty you have, I interview all these parents who um, who say that they're avoiding 
block parties and not letting their kids go to firecrackers because you don't know what is a firecracker and what is a gun, a gunshot. And so in a way, the impingement on our liberty of thinking you might or somebody you love might be the next statistic of a mass casualty event is really a real effect on our own liberty, right? We're affecting our freedom, our ability to move. And I don't think a lot of people with respect are really soothed by the idea of, well, just take a gun and you can fire back. It just doesn't work that way. You know, it's very clearly a ridiculous response. And so in a way it's just, it impacts daily life and daily death and death in our country in a real way. But I guess the other part, having done this research, my book in, in January talks about this more is I've interviewed a lot of gun owners who want reform also. Um, even in the piece, I interview some gun owners who say, look, I'm a gun owner, but what we have now is insane. Um, and so it's not like it's like a Democrat versus Republican issue totally. I mean, it is because of who gets elected. Um, but, but it's also, there are these things that just seem really basic common sense across the rest of the world, background checks, registering, insurance, liability, all the things you would do for a car. And you can't even do those really basic things. And in fact, our Supreme Court right now is poised to make things considerably worse with a a case they're going to hear next year. I can't even believe they're going to hear this about whether someone convicted of domestic Violence. Abuse. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and so in a way, it's just really, this is really what minority rule means. It's not just about like imposing the will of 5% of the people and everybody else. It's also not letting people work together to solve problems when left in a room together, they could find, I think, some reasonable compromise positions. I mean, the fact, you know, to your point, the fact that the Supreme Court would even hear that kind of case would even say, oh, yeah, this is a both sides issue. Let's 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 hear this out, that somebody that has been convicted of domestic violence should own a weapon. Right. And that goes against, you know, their rights. This is the same fucking court, you know, that you have had. Declare that those that have served time shouldn't be able to get their right to vote back. But if you beat somebody you can get your gun back. Yeah. And part part of that story, I've actually done a number of interviews about this because I'm like, what the hell? And not surprisingly, people support it on the right. Um, not everybody, but the people who reflectively support gun rights. And I'm like, how can you possibly support this? And what they said is it's just the principle that the principle is government. There's no have... fucking principle. No, no, like I'm, Jonathan, I, I, no, can't, I can't. I can't. Like there's I'm no tell, principle. But let Please. me just go ahead. Go ahead. The thing they they said the the government should have no role in regulating weapons. That's that's what they're thinking. And because I tell you to be honest, when I first heard the case, I thought, great, finally we're going to get some limitations on this friggin' madness. But when I did these interviews, I'm like, oh crap. They're actually doing this to prove the opposite point, which is that there's no limitation whatsoever. And I think Kathy Hochul had had an op-ed in the New York Times about this, or has one coming up, and other people are writing about it. But it's it's just a weird it's a weird world we live in right now. I mean, it's weird, Jonathan. But it's like everywhere that you look. So I wanna I wanna go to your to your time, you know, in the UK. Everywhere that you look. There is not a country that isn't dealing with either 
the rise of fascism, minority rule, just the disenfranchisement of, you know, of voters, and also just the withering of democracy. So talk to us about like your time in the UK and what you heard, you know, while you were there. I'm going to get in trouble. I was worried you might ask me that. Um, because I will say for sure, I mean, there are governments falling apart right and left. Um, before that, I, as you know, I, I was in Israel. And, you know, say what you will about Israeli politics, there are there is a wide range of political views there. And the fact that like the judiciary has been taken over by the same right wing machine is put it, people are in, in shock. Um, I have a lot of friends here who it's like America is going down the tubes. And so we're moving to Portugal. A lot of people are mm -hmm. moving to Portugal. It's on my list. And Portugal had a fascist party, a right wing party that had never gotten like more than 1% of the vote. And now they're polling at like 30%. So the whole world is like, oh, you got a strong man. Well, I need a strong man too. Um, and before I answer your actual question, I will say we have a, you know, this 2024 election, we thought the 2020 election was the most important election of our lifetimes. The 2024 election it really is the most important election of our lifetimes because America can reset the clock on this stuff. Um, or we can go down that same path. And I just feel like if the American election goes to the far right, that is, that's just going to tip everything else over in a way. And also, of course, enable Putin and all these guys. So um, anyway, but your question was about the UK. And I will say there, I mean, if you just walk down the street in the UK, and if you want an example of like, what the hell's going on in America, you'll find it anywhere. <laughs> Everybody's like, what the hell's going on in America? Um, but I will say that there were, there was a lot of like, I mean, across Europe, how do we play, pay for social programs? How do we pay for healthcare? How do we pay for retirement? How come conservatives are rising back up in, in, in our own governments? And so I just think there's a model of liberalism that is, um, and I'd be curious your sense about this. There's a model of liberalism that just not responding to the to the rights of fascism. In other words, like I think the Europe model that I've seen is like, like look at France, you know, trying to raise, like France is going broke basically because of immigration and raising the, ra raising the retirement age and all these kind of things. And the model of kind of liberal socialism can't pay for, can't pay for what they're doing in a way. And so I just feel like liberalism is not an answer to fascism right now, <laughs> or we need a better answer. I don't know. That's my sense of Europe. That's a very broad answer, I realize. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've actually never seen liberalism in action in any real way. What we get is centrist at best, and we, and we call it liberalism. We've actually never, I, I, I don't know, maybe point, tell me, point to a progressive body and tell me that like, oh, this is this is what the rest of the world has tried to model after. I've never seen it. Right. Like we 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 referred to Obama said Obama was liberal. Obama was not liberal. Obama was a centrist. Right. We say Bill Clinton was a Bill Clinton was a centrist. Biden is a centrist. Right. So I, I, I'm not quite sure when we talk about liberalism, we've never seen that in action, not in this country. What would liberalism look like right now? I mean, I, again, I'm thinking a lot about Europe and I, I'm thinking about um, what's the, I guess it's really, I, I think it's a fair question. What's the model of liberalism that we're advocating for um, in the face of, I mean, look what, like, is RFK Jr. a, a liberal? Like he's He's running, fucking crazy. He's fucking crazy, like right? Like he's, he's absolutely, like that's, a, I mean, to say that that man who doesn't believe in vaccines, who like is the biggest proponent of conspiracy theories and all he does is have the last name Kennedy is a liberal. He's not even a li- I don't know what you would call his political <laughs> affiliation besides nuts. Yeah. I mean, and part of that story is extreme positions have become mainstream, right? Kennedy, we've known about Kennedy and the health community for years and everybody's like, Oh, that guy's a nut. Um, but, but I will just say it just feels like a very unstable moment, but, but I don't know. We this is. I know we're going off topic. We can talk about this some other time. But like, what's a liberal position, for example, on the war on Ukraine? Like, do we let Putin win? Do we keep fighting by funding the military? It's like it's not. It's not clear, right? Um, uh, there are all these. There are all these issues where I just think. I just think what it means to be a liberal is is. Conf- it's much easier to be a fascism right now because it, it gives you like easy answers, even if they're fake, which is like trust in authoritarians. But it's, I don't know, I'm not doing a very good job of articulating this, but it does feel like 
what does it mean to be a liberal right now is something that I, I just felt a lot of resonance between like things I've been thinking and what I was talking about with people in the UK. I mean, for me, what does it mean to be a liberal at this moment? It means to be looking at the the multiple crises that we're dealing with and at, like what would it mean to be a liberal? And I don't even think the the word liberal is right. It would be, oh, looking at the fact that as a globe, we have had the hottest days on record since we have been measuring the fucking temperature on this planet in the last week. It would look like an emergency meeting being pulled together of all of the world leaders to actually not just put together a paper plan, but an actual fucking plan about how we're going to combat climate change in a real way that is affecting everyone right now, not just people in America, not just the wildfires in Canada, not just, you know, flooding that is happening in Europe, that it is affecting everyone. And this is like an emergency meeting, right? What does it look like to pull together again the world leaders to say we have a real issue in terms of the rise of fascism and authoritarianism in this country, in this on this planet? And if we are serious about advancing democracy and we're serious about advancing human rights, then as a collective, we need to come up with a plan that is about us as global citizens that can also be um, be implemented in each of our countries. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the, like to me, that's not a liberal idea. It's actually looking at the fucking problems that are in front of us instead of pretending that they're not there or wasting time in arguments with people trying to define what we know is already happening. I mean, this is why, as I've said a million times, I'm voting for you for sure. Like, I think that's a very <laughs> clear and articulate and great uh, framing. And I totally support that, right? I think that should, that's what needs to happen, right? We're burning and flooding and shooting our way into oblivion, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, that's it. That if your yeah. book had it, if your book had it, have already gotten a title, that would have been that would have been the title. Jonathan. I tried, believe me. They're so afraid I'm going to offend people that they, you know, they they're they're afraid of. Anyway, that's a different topic. But um, but um, but no. But but I guess the issue is, and I think that's a fair point you made a couple of points ago, which is let's try to think like what, and we can talk about this on later show, what systems are working right now? I think right. like, where is it working right now? Because yep. like, I, I, I agree with everything you just said, but I would also say that that requires a functioning government. And we have a government right now where like mm -hmm. Tommy Tuberville yep. is like, is like holding up the whole government based on a, a yep. social agenda about wokeism is undermining like promotions of people in, in the military. And, um, and, and that's happening all across the government. People are, are, I mean, our, we have a government of petulance right now and he's definitely the worst offender, but there are plenty of people who are doing that. And so in a way, what you've suggested is right, but it also requires like functioning governance. Um, so I just think we should also think like, where is working? Like, let's, is there something we can emulate about where is where is working? Yeah, I, I, I think that that's right. And we'll have to, you know, put a pin in that for for today. But I do think that it is worth looking um, at who is doing anything right right now. Right. Because when when you look around the globe, when you look at these supposed democracies around the globe, they are playing defense. And that is not a good position to be in. Right. Yeah. Um, when we're when we're kind of looking at the 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 axis of power 
really shifting, right, into a way that we could have never imagined would happen after World War II, after what after what we have all collectively seen and know, um, and have America potentially be part of that axis of evil. Um, if this next election goes the way of the Republicans, that is exactly what will happen. And, and you know, if if we lose the election and and they then give carte blanche for Putin to do all this other stuff and a zillion other things, and there's an axis of that and the Orbans of the world and stuff like that. Like that's a really different, that's a really different world than the one we're living in. I totally agree. So let's figure out somebody, someplace to lift up and then let's start. Yeah. Lifting. And having a conversation <laughs> about that. Well, thank you, my friend. It is wonderful to have you back uh, on Woke App. Always appreciate you, Jonathan. Take care, everybody. And next week we'll be talking about puppies. So hang in there. <laughs> That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people. Power, get woke, and stay woke as fuck. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.